Global Capital Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair and I'm the editor of Global Capital. And I'm John Hay, the Corporate Finance and Sustainability Editor. This week, like everybody else, we're worrying about Omicron and where it might show up the most in the capital markets. One obvious place to look is the leveraged finance market. Um, John, perhaps you could explain why, why we're delving there first. Well, whenever something bad happens, it's usually the riskier end of capital markets that get hit worst. And that basically means emerging markets and high yield or leveraged loans, which are the financing for the most indebted companies. That's right. And what's of particular interest at the moment is that there are uh, some large deals that were supposed to go through the leveraged finance market at the end of the year. And uh, we're going to take a look at whether they will or not. And after that, we'll look at another story we've covered this week, uh, actually a scoop that we're publishing today, which is about Alcentra, one of the best known leveraged finance investors in the European market, and it's up for sale. And we spoke about both of these things with uh, Silas Brown, our leveraged finance and private debt editor. Hello, Silas. Perhaps you could start by outlining for us the situation in the leveraged finance market and what's going on with these three big deals and what they are. Well, I mean, since since really the summer, certainly for a very long time, um, a matter of months, investors have been waiting for three uh, large by Levfin standards transactions that take privates of Morrison's, uh, the UK grocer, Sobi, um, which is a Swedish drug maker, and, and T-Mobile Netherlands. Um, you know, in September and October, we reported that investors were freeing up a lot of cash to 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 get ready for this visible pipeline of say forty billion odd um, worth of transactions of about about sixteen billion is wrapped up with these four uh, three large three large deals. Um, people were really waiting, um, and and I think the expectation was that um, the transactions were going to come maybe late November or early December, um, and then last Friday Omicron hit. Um, the Levfin markets, at least the secondary markets, um, there was some isolated sort of particular sell-offs uh, amongst the the kind of COVID uh, risky sectors, um, travel, leisure, retail. Um, and there was also a degree of outflows in November from, from high-yield bond funds. Um, and so overnight really um the the situation changed from a, from really a, a kind of a, a, a seller's market to a buyer's market and um investors were demanding new issue premiums on top of their uh on top of their expectation expectations of new issue premium, premiums of around 50 basis points higher um for even the kind of pucker single b double b names um, that aren't particular, that are, that are somewhat COVID proof, um, but I think the the time just caught got caught up with these 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 transactions. I mean, with Morrison's and Sobe, they're both you know they're both debut names. They're they're um, uh, you know there's a lot for investors to sink their teeth into, 
and 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 the days are the days are ticking down to Christmas. So I think the expectation for 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 bankers um, was that it's best to to wait until January and and potentially these as kind of opening trades, although perhaps not on the first few days, but certainly the opening opening week trades um, uh, for the market in 2022. Are they particularly risky deals? Um. Uh, I mean, I think w- w- with all large LBOs, there's a degree of degree of risk to them. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say these were the riskiest of the LBOs. I mean, w- with with Morrison's, um, there's there's you know a, 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 not a perfect comparison, but a, a certainly a comparison with 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 ASDA, which was a very successful primary. Um, um with Morrison's there's a there's there's a, a, an imperfect but 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 uh but reasonable comparison with with Asda um which did an LBO earlier in the year um very successfully um and i think all of the transactions have been quite well flagged um and I think, having spoken to a lot of the buy side, they were very, they were at least, at least instinctively very popular. Um, however, with these larger transactions and with investors basically being obligated to put quite a lot of cash to work, um, you know, there's there's additional complexity, and and these transactions probably, you know, could take, especially the the, the kind of loan part, loan segment of it, um, you know, could take could take weeks to filter through through the market. One of the things that troubles me about this is in across all the markets that we cover, whenever we speak to the banks that underwrite deals and bring deals to market, the general theme is that it's always to bring a deal as soon as possible or bring a deal now rather than wait. Um, these three situations, if you call them that, they've all been hanging around since, well, for months. Why? Why did they leave it so long? I mean, surely it wouldn't be on. It wasn't beyond the wit of man that there might be a COVID variant in the winter when infections would pick up anyway. Well, I hate to hear your troubles, Ralph. Um, I think. Listen, one of the one of the problems for the leverage finance markets is that they're a victim of their own success. I think both from the the buy side and the sell side, um, they've had record yield y- years. I mean, I think high yield bonds are. Um, uh, I think year-to-date flows have been about 125 billion euros of euro high yield, um, and leverage loans I think has been higher than that. Um, so I think investors, banks, they've all hit their targets, um, and so perhaps there's less of an incentive to bring these large transactions in in a kind of weak market than there will be in, in 2022. I think that part of the answer to your question. Um, I think another 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 part is just general market busyness. I mean, I, I think these a there are a lot of regulatory um, there are a lot of regulatory hoops to jump through with these sort of transactions um, that aren't really kind of the underwriter's problem. Um, but also, I, I think you know you have to choose. You, I guess you have to choose the right window of execution, um, and perhaps time just caught up caught up with these with these banks. But do you think they'll be kicking themselves now that they didn't ring them in September or October? Well, I think part of the job of a financial journalist is to ask the questions that um, 
I think people instinctively want answered. And I think one of them is around underwriting risk. Um, you know, it's like uh, one of the first things that you <laughs> that you hear covering investment banks that they don't like holding um, holding debt, holding underwriting risk over the summer and over Christmas. Um, and I, I I did ask um, I did ask bankers involved in um, in these transactions how they felt about holding. Um, holding holding this risk over the Christmas, and I think the answers were were interesting. One of the answers was was just around the maturity of of the European leverage finance markets now, and actually the window that's 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 closed over Christmas is much shorter than it than it has historically been. So one person said that you know you probably can't get a deal done from December the fifteenth to January the third, uh, but that. Window of execution two weeks is isn't isn't that scary for investment banks holding that risk. But Silas, I think I read in your story that there is a chance that at least one of these deals might come this year. Um, can you tell us a bit about which one that is of the three and and why that one can come but not the others? Well, I can reveal all. Um, so I, I mean, I'd uh, I'm uh, kind of market sources really expect Sobe and Morrison's to come in uh, come in the new year. Um, but there's a bit more of a question mark over T-Mobile Netherlands, which has already issued the 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 term loan B chunk of its take private financing, um, but is yet to uh, the the bond leg is yet to kind of rear its head to mix a metaphor, um, and so I think because the term loan B has already been issued and investors um, uh, investors have been kind of well acquainted with the credit. I think the execution time for a transaction in, in the bond market is shorter for T-Mobile Netherlands um, than Morrison's and Sobe. And so Less one, price discovery, presumably. Exactly. Um, and as one banker described it to me, I mean, if the markets are stable next week, they could execute that transaction in two or three days. And so there is still a window um, to get that deal over the to get that deal over the line, and so it's it's plausible that it will come next week. It's interesting though that these three deals are all, you know, if you like, th- perfect sectors. I mean, if you had to choose three sectors that ought not to be bothered by a coronavirus resurgence, it's probably drugs, supermarket, and telecoms, isn't it? Yes, well, um, I, I don't think it's. Um, not to overstate this, I mean, it, it, there hasn't been, you know, a panicked sell-off um, in leveraged finance markets. Um, there's just an expectation on the sell side that they will have to um, offer investors a higher new issue concession than they had previously uh, expected. And so the I think the choice for them is... Do they go with a new issue concession, say 50 basis points on top of what they were expecting now? Or do they kind of suck it up for, 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 um, for a month and then deploy it in, in what they expect to be favourable conditions or more favourable conditions early next year? It's quite a gamble, isn't it? Because on the one hand, there seems to be a longer term secular move higher in rates, which would... Uh, negate the benefit of not paying a 50-bit new issue premium now. Um, but at the same time, if Omicron is dreadful, then you also see a sort of a, a flight to safety in certain assets. And um, that could also end up costing costing these guys more. 
Yes, there is a degree of risk. Um, one of the the um, the the things that was pre- were preventing the transactions from coming earlier was a, was a trepidation around rates and inflation. Um, that those that debate, that kind of macro debate, which which often um, rears its head in 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 leverage finance, sort of emerged in 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 October, um, which which gave the market a little bit of jitters, and there was there was some difficulties um, as I've report, reported on. Um, with with a number of transactions um, being forced to uh, kind of hike hike the yields and maybe amend the document documentation to make it more investor friendly, um, and I, and I don't think those I don't think those conversations are going away, and certainly in the new year that it doesn't seem to be uh, much hope that those discussions will go away. Um, I think in terms of in terms of the underwriting risk, um, I've spoken to a few bankers who are on those transactions, and they say that 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 um, a number of banks are holding these under holding this underwriting risk. Um, they've basically sort of successfully divvied it up amongst the investment banks, and so actually the risk is quite small, although the transaction sizes are quite large. Um, but I think you're totally right. Um, it is a bit of a gamble that they can um, that they will find a market in the new year that is. You know, more favourable for issuance um, for companies than 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 it is now. So another piece of news in leverage finance this week, Silas, has just uh, come up today, hasn't it? And that's about Alcentra. Yes, Alcentra. Um, you know, uh, famous for its private debt that has um, that has uh, has its tentacles, so to speak, in 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 in. Uh, Leverage finance, leverage loans, and high yield bonds, also a bit of structured credit and um, and special situations. Um, we're reporting today, in fact, that um, uh, Alcentra's owner, which is uh, the U.S. bank BNY Mellon, uh, is looking for a uh, looking for a buyer to take the uh, the credit specialist off its hands. And why why is it doing that? Well, I mean this the. The, the views we have on that are, are, are kind of speculative. Um, there's been a number of high-profile uh, departures from 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 the fund actually across its investment strategies. And um, the co-founder and CEO David Forbes Nixon stepped down as uh, stepped down as chief executive in 2020. Uh, Vijay uh, Rajguru stepped down as the chief investment officer in late 2019. Then the month before the coronavirus began um Alcentra's then co-head of European direct lending Graham Delaney Smith announced his retirement um the other co-head Peter Glaser took over the kind of sole reins um but we reported back in September of this year that he decided to leave the firm too um I, I think the drain of senior staff is perhaps a factor it's certainly a factor that people um you know you know kind of familiar with the situation uh point to so if I understand this right, they've lost senior staff. I mean, and a lot of senior staff, it sounds like, but over quite a long period of time. Was there any suggestion that their departures were somehow linked, or you know, I guess for a common reason or whatever that might be? Well, I, I don't know that that's the case. Um, I'd also point out that um, it's not, as it were, a total revelation that that. that Banks want to sell assets, and and it, it may well not be 
for for kind of negative reasons at all, and it, it could just be for strategic reasons. Um, so far, that's unclear. But what we do know is that the uh, that BNY Men has has appointed an advisor to kind of manage the live process. So, do we have a sense for who the buyers might be for Alcentra? Well, Alcentra has roughly 43 billion of assets under management um, and I think it has investment strategies in North America and Europe primarily focused on private credit and leveraged finance. Um, Both of these areas are pretty hot areas um, and are coming off record years um, in direct lending, record years of of, of fundraising and deal deployment um, in leveraged finance uh, both leveraged loans and high yield bonds, record years of of of, of deployment and and deal flow. Um, so, I, the guess is that prospective buyers um, uh, will have a familiarity with those asset classes, and 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 by all accounts, there are more and more large institutions that are that are getting comfortable, getting familiar, getting engaged with um, with, with these strategies. Well, a lot of developing situations to keep an eye on in the leverage finance and private credit markets. And you can follow all of those stories as they develop at globalcapital.com. Don't forget to get in touch. If you've got anything to say about the podcast, just email us at podcast at globalcapital.com. And it only remains for me to thank Silas and John for joining me on the podcast this week and to Gerald Hayes, our editor, for putting it all together. We'll be back next week with more stories from the capital markets. So until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.